You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So we have a little bonus episode for you this week. And to tell you about it, I have the woman behind Feisty Media, the amazing Big Cheese, Sarah Gross. <laughs> big Cheese. I know you love the Big Cheese. <laughs> That's like um thing I don't want to be called. <laughs> don't call her the Big Cheese. We're trying to take back the Big Cheese, but Sarah is not having it yet. I, have a little, we'll I, I love reclaiming language, but I'm not sure we need to reclaim the Big Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, Celine, my first question, how did this come together with Tanya, this interview? It was all her idea. She she um, she loves the podcast and and she credits it credits it as part of, you know, really of, of her of her pursuing her Ironman journey and of really reframing her own life. And, you know, she she talks about it in glowing, glowing terms. And she was very curious. It's funny. I. I guess because I'm so well known in the cycling circles where I kind of came from, you know, that I forget that I step into this, this athletic space and not necessarily everybody knows where I came from or who I even am. And she had no idea. She's like, who is this woman that's making this big impact? Right. So she started digging in and she said, if I'm wondering more about you and I bet other people would. So she sent me this email quite a while ago and asked if I'd be willing to flip the script and, and do and be the guest. And I was like, I would do that, but like, let's wait, let's do it for like the anniversary, you know, anniversary edition of it. So she, she did, she listened to every show that I was on and she took, like, she sent me this, this long list of questions that she had clearly done an amazing amount of research. So Mm -hmm. that's how it came about. Yeah. And since we're, we should probably let the listeners in on what they're actually about to hear, which is like, an amazing interview where Tanya Dalton, who's part of our uh, menopause community. Our she's been on the show. Mm-hmm. She's been on the show. She spoke at the menopause summit recently. And she um, basically asks Celine um, some amazing questions about her life and how we, how she became the face of menopause. Um, so I wanted to ask you first, how, like when we first came to you right mm-hmm, we were mm-hmm. you know or you came to us I'm not sure which way I didn't went. come I didn't come to you this story is <laughs> the story is changing as it goes like I, I this is how revisionist history goes like it just totally. changes it goes down the line yeah. I was just sitting here minding my own business honestly and I got in an email from Catherine Taylor who I, who I sort of knew peripherally you know from from gravel and maybe from Stacy, like I, she had popped up in my life a, a few times and she was interested in having me do because she knew I was working on a menopause audience follow-up to roar the book I did with Dr. Stacy Sims. And she was wondering if I would be willing to do like a webinar or a zoom thing, you know, something to do on that topic, you know, because I was so steeped in it with, with my work with Stacy on this next book. And I said, sure, but you guys need a podcast. And she said, 
would you like to do it? And I said, yes, <laughs> even though that like I'd never she seems to think that I was walking around wanting to do a menopause podcast. And right. that never crossed my mind. Like I right. never in a million years thought that I should do a menopause podcast. That was not ever an inkling of a thought in my brain. That's hilarious. So yeah, that was sort of the story as I understood it. Like as, as I understood, I, I know from our side, we were, cause we worked closely with Dr. Stacey Sims and she had created a, the menopause for athletes course. And we had kind of seen that the community of, of athletic women in menopause needed like a space to collect, right. To come together, to ask questions. And, and we were thinking about, okay, how can we create this community and what can we do? Right. So for us, we were like, well, a community needs a leader. Um, and we were sort of actively kind of looking around for like, who might, who might lead this. Right. So the story that comes to me then is Catherine saying, oh, Celine wants to do a, a menopause podcast. <laughs> I was like, perfect, because we need a leader. And I think she'd be amazing for this. And so like, that was in my brain. But it sounds like you were slightly more reluctant than <laughs> well, than I wasn't I, I wasn't reluctant. It was just funny, because like, all of a sudden, I didn't know any of that. Like, I didn't know Stacy had a course. I didn't know you. I didn't know really what Feisty Media. I didn't know any of it. Like, I just knew Catherine and this this request and that I was like, yeah, because I love podcasting. I had been co-hosting on another show in the cycling space. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, cool. Like a chance to do another pod because I really like podcasting. But then I got on that call with you guys and was like, this is a much bigger thing than like, <laughs> like than I thought that I was like, stepping why did I step in? Like, yeah. like I'm going to be a leader of something. And I, <laughs> I was that wasn't what I was thinking. Like, right. Yeah. So oh, like, that is great. Okay. Okay, so Selena, I feel like I could reminisce with you all day about how this all came together, but really this is an incredible interview. I listened to it this morning. I loved hearing your stories about university, your own struggles, how Roar came together with Stacy in those first days, how the menopause book came together even. Um, and then, oh, another moment that I loved is when you said, um, you kind of, at the same time as being extremely humble, you also kind of own your own um, strengths too, uh, which I think like, that's something I was actually just talking to my partner about it the other day, like how important it is to get that balance. Right. So when I hear you saying things like there's some underlying talent, you know, in, in, on reflection of how your first Ironman went and stuff like that, I'm like, yes, great. Like own that at the same time, like the humility that you bring to everything is wonderful. And I think that's why this, um, interview is so great. Uh, so I would call this owning your own greatness with humility is what I would call it. <laughs> or, or I'd call this episode becoming the face of menopause. <laughs> so wow. Okay. Like that's kind of, that's kind of, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> the second one rings a little bit, a little bit better. Becoming I... the face of menopause. Well, we don't have to call it either of those things. Those no. are just my, my personal reflections, but thank you so much for doing this interview. I know that everyone is going to love it in, especially in the menopause community and those who have been following you for so long. I loved it. And uh, on with the show. Okay. So I'm super excited because <laughs> This is my dream. This is other than the Iron Man. This is actually my dream to interview oh, you, Celine. So. I'm dying. I'm blushing. This is so strange. It's fun. This is this is all Tanya's idea, by the way. Turning the tables. Yeah. I just, but I just know that. I mean, you helped change my life, and I can't think that oh. I would have 
being being able to complete the Ironman without your help and without this podcast help. And I'm sure that there's so many other menopausal women out there that feel the same. So I just think it's so exciting that we can actually find out some more about you. Right. Don't start me crying yet. It's easy as you. <laughs> oh, I cried in the um, podcast. <laughs> yeah for me so it's about your turn um so yeah I just suppose I want to you know how does it feel to be like in kind of this leader in our menopausal space now like it's just like it's it's so new and it's kind of like you're up there and there's no other what no other person really um talking about it the way you do as far as athletic women go so I think that's it's crazy right amazing. I think it's kind of crazy like I knew I knew when I started it, that it was unique. Like I knew when I was stepping into this space, like I actually did some searching and I thought no one is in this space and that's very bizarre. But when you think about the world of menopause, I guess it's not so bizarre, right? So it's funny. I, I, I tend to do things without thinking about them too much, you know, which is why I probably do them. <laughs> like, cause I don't, I'm not a overthinker at all. And maybe I'm not even a medium thinker at all. Uh, if, if, if I want to do something, I tend to just go into it and figure it out. And it might have been the night before. It was very close to the launch when I think my producer, Carrie, or somebody in the team said to me, like, are you ready to be the face of menopause? I was like, what is going on? Like, that's not what I'm signing <laughs> up for, I don't think. And of course, you know, I, I have since done a post called my menopause face. <laughs> and like, and I'm, there's all these women, there's like 7,500 women in in the hit playing out pause group now. And it's amazing, but they're so amazing. So if it's a little surreal. I'm super proud, but I don't, you know, I feel like leader's a strange word because I never really feel that way, but I, I feel like it's great to have been able to plug into this giant wave and bring it with me, you know, I mean, and I feel like I am good at that. It's sort of harnessing something that I see is out there and giving it a, a channel for its energy. I, it sounds super strange to say it that way, but that's how it feels. No, it's wonderful. Actually, I was, I'm interested because I just listened, I've listened to a few podcasts that you've done before, um, before Hit Play Not Pause, and you didn't really mention menopause. So is it, was it, and was it, challenging to start just being able to just I mean that's all you talk about now do you know what I mean like and it's so and, and it comes so naturally and and you know like saying the word and I didn't really hear you talk about it much before I don't know whether it's I know that you I don't know if I podcast. ever said it before okay <laughs> yeah no I mean I really don't because a it, well I wasn't really thinking about it until I started this right like because I as I've said a few times I was definitely perimenopausal before I actually knew that I was perimenopausal and then once I really hit it, that's when I started thinking about doing this show. And yeah, I mean, I never talked about it on the pace line or, you know, on any of like, even really in bicycling. And then when I started this, I'm like, why? Like, I should have, I've, I've written, I did write about it a bit in some women's cycling books years ago. But again, that was like way before I really knew what it was all about. You know, um, I, I haven't, you know, I, as I talked about in the trailer for the show, you know, I didn't talk about it because nobody talked about it. So like you, it's just not, it's just, I didn't consciously think about not talking about it, but I just didn't talk about it. And, you know, it was very weird. I will tell you when I was at some of the, the first races and events afterwards for people coming up to me and start talking about menopause to me. And I was like, 
okay, this is where we're this is this is where we're going. And it was a little even uncomfortable for me to be like, okay, I am in a puzzle. I'm and now I'm so over it. But but it did. It t- it took it took a few it took a few weeks. It wasn't much longer than that for me to be because I'm like among my friends and the guys I ride with. Right. And like people are coming up to me and I'm just like, this is a little weird. But at the same time, it's kind of awesome. And since that time, you know, my friends have talked to me about their wives and their girlfriends. And it's like, OK, you know, this is a door that I'm very glad I kicked down. I know It's just so important for everyone, isn't it? Not just women it's important for everyone just to be able to be open about it because it like I've said before it kind of affects everyone it's you know I mean what's happening to us there's implications for everyone so we, everyone needs to be aware of what's going on so uh, well at the last uh, at la- the last event I didn't mean to cut you off the last event sorry? I did I was going up it was so funny I was going up this climb one of millions of climbs it was in Vermont and this guy sort of rides up to me and he's like are you Celine Yeager and I thought he would be like bicycling yeah because I'm sort of used to that or something else it's like my wife loves your podcast I'm like you must listen to it too if you know who I am and then um you know it was so touching he said I you know I I think it's gonna enable her to ride with me again I was like oh that's lovely you know that's just such a nice sentiment so yeah Yeah, it's good for everybody and I, I love, this is one of the things I just love about you the most is that you are so open in the, um, when you're interviewing people about your own issues and have you always been able to be so open about, you know, about your own vulnerabilities and things like that? Yeah, and, and again, I think it's because I don't think about it and I, I honestly, even after all these years of writing and creating content and talking into microphones, I forget that there are people actually going to be reading and listening and, you know, and like knowing. And so, you know, my daughter years and years ago uh, was diagnosed as being on the spectrum, whatever that meant at the time, you know, she's now in Temple University and doing a great, you know, everything is fine, but it was very, very challenging. And, you know, she wasn't able to, to ride a bike uh, for a long time. And, you know, I wrote about that at Bicycling and I got all this feedback, like, same kind of thing like oh you're so brave and I'm like well I wasn't really afraid of it you know like I don't think you're brave unless you're actually afraid to do the thing um but yeah I've always you know I've always felt like and I guess that's why I have the longevity that I do in some of the writing is that uh I am I am transparent you know I am I'm very transparent about stuff and and that's not to say I'm pretty protective of some like I don't talk about my family a whole lot you know people might not necessarily know that I'm a mom or no. And it's not because I, it's just because I, I, I'm very public, but I don't presume that they want to be public, you know? Yeah. 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 So you have, you have a do- your daughter's in um, university now. Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Or college, college is college university in America. And you've got your husband is he's, he's cyclist as well. Is that right? Yes. Do you mind, talk- do yes. You mind talking about him? Bri- I don't briefly? mind talking about him. He talks about himself too. <laughs> um, yeah. He, he, uh, we actually met through, Rodale Press, which is the publishing company, Bicycling Magazine. Um, he was the, we both worked in the book division when they had a book division. And then we both started working for Bicycling around the same time and, and, you know, started riding together with everybody else. And he actually got me mostly into mountain bikes. He talked my mom into getting me my first real mountain bike. Uh, I'll never forget it. She spent $800 and she's like, she better like this thing. And well, we know how that went. So <laughs> Yeah. And now he, uh, he, you know, it's funny. It's been, it's been a long journey. Like we rode together a lot and then I got, 
you know, super into the racing thing. And we, it was hard because he missed riding with me and I was faster, you know, and it, I, it, we, I've read it. I heard you talk about that. That's cool. I, I like it that you're, um, that you're oh yeah, no, but it was, <laughs> it, it, caused, <laughs> it caused, you know, issues. Cause I couldn't really ride. I was training all the time and, you know, yeah. he felt very left behind physically and emotionally. And, uh, you know, we had to talk through it because there was, there was definitely some points where he was like, I would really like it's like, I'd like you to slow down. And I'm like, I'll resent you the rest of my life if I slow down. So we have to figure this out. And, you know, we did. But the cool part is where I'm going with this is that, you know, I, I started we started going to a lot of the, the gravel events together when I got into that. Like we went to Dirty Cans at the time. Now I'm bound. And he started meeting people. He met Rebecca Rush and he met, you know, the Katie, Moan, Christy Moan and the people who put on uh, Unbound. And and now he puts on a gravel event in Pennsylvania. You know, he puts on Unpaved of the Susquehanna River Valley here in PA. Like I like our like our. The journeys have have brought us to the same place now, you know, and yeah. it's just it's very cool. It's very it's cool. Good. And we it's ride nice. together a lot now. Yeah, that's nice. So just backtracking a little bit. So I suppose that people would love to know a little bit about your childhood. I, I was really interested because um, I think we've discussed this before that a lot of very talented athletic people come from a really athletic um, upbringing and family. So I'm interested to know about yours. I know. I think your dad was a bodybuilder though. <laughs> he was, he was, he was a, and he was, um, you know, athletic for what athletic was at the time. You know, he played football in high school and, um, basketball and, and, and was, and definitely got into bodybuilding. He's very strong. And, uh, you know, I definitely got some of that from him. My mother, I would never know. She does not like to exercise. She's very not healthy. She doesn't kind of looks at me like I'm an alien most of the time. Um, my grandfather, I think is probably where I got the riding from. He used to back when nobody did it, he would get on like his old, I don't even know if it was a 10 speed. I'm not sure what it was and just see how far he could ride, you know? And I remember he got a, a stationary bike, like one of those old aerodynamic kind of bikes. And he challenged me to see how far we could each ride it. I think it was like 10, 12. I don't know. I rode it 30 miles in the, in the um, and he's like, I'm not even trying. So <laughs> that might be where that came from. So you did, a, I think you did a lot of like just naturally, had a really naturally um, active childhood and rode a lot, but you didn't actually compete I didn't um, even know you could. Exactly. Yeah, I had a bike and I, I would do the same things. Like I was that kind of weird kid that would just like ride 20 miles to the lake just to see. But I and I'm, it's amazing that I'm here, like no helmet, flip flops, cherry cloth shorts. I didn't have a water bottle. I, I, you know, I just didn't even know my dad would be. Do you think he'd wear a helmet? I'm like, mm, not so much. I, you know, so like you don't want to mess up your hair going to the lake. <laughs> so do you think that actually I'm really interested in this I think that probably helped to develop your ability that you have later in definitely, life definitely just doing definitely. it yeah yeah I mean I think that I was building some giant base without knowing that I was building some giant base yeah the best way it's the best way because you're kind of like just doing what was natural rather than um forcing training on you so you oh I would have burned like, out by the time I hit yeah. college probably yeah 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 it's nice uh and so you went to college then. So you did, did you, I don't think you did that much riding and things when you were there. Is that right? Didn't even have a bike. Didn't even have a bike. I, uh, I, I taught aerobics as I think everybody I did. <laughs> so I did, I wasn't, I wasn't going to talk about this, but did you actually, I can't yes, imagine I you did. in a, yes, a fluoro G string. <laughs> of course I did. 
I had the colored tights with like the bodysuit <laughs> that you put over the colored tights. The whole thing was so ridiculous. But yes, That's great. jumping up and down and kicking and it was fun. <laughs> you know, it was totally fun. I did that. I ran once in a while. You know, I wasn't. I also smoked cigarettes and waited tables. You know, so I was just like a usual. Co- I was just a college student. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at college, though, is that when you develop? So. Uh, I know that you've you've suffered from some body image issues and eating disorders, mm. though I think I recall you talking about that you were, a doctor told you to uh, put you on a diet when you were eight or something. Is that right? Eight. That is correct. I was how terrible. How just, it's just frightening to think that things like that, I mean, that happened back then, don't you agree? <laughs> oh, and, and you, that does not ever leave you. No. I mean, it just doesn't. That does not no. ever leave you. And, you know, I, I, my father is who he is, but it, it, and the generation was what it was, but you know, they, there was an odd dynamic in my house as well. Like my mom had put on weight after having uh, my brother and I, and she never took it off. And that was always a pit, little bone of contention between the two of them, you know, and she was on diet pills some, at some points and he would kind of make remarks and, you know, there were in the weight room, he would hang like pinups. My brother and him would hang up pinups and they'd cover them with like when I got in there, but I knew it was behind the curtains, you know, and it, uh, that really messed me up too, you know, and I, 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 I have long since forgiven, you know, cause it's, it, it's all water under the bridge. It's and, so hard, but, but isn't it, it? Because in the, in that day and age, it was like all of that, every, all that kind of thing was so much more accepted. It's it was so, everywhere. Such, it's so different now, isn't it? Like it's yeah. just, which is thank goodness, but our Thank children are growing up in a different God. different world. But <laughs> yes, it's so hard. But it's just it's Playboy was that- so hot. It was so new, and yeah. you know, my mom thought she was being hip by like bringing it into the house too. And it was just, uh-huh. a, it was kind of a psychological disaster. <laughs> yeah, and so then, so those body image issues like continued to college and things. And I think you talked, you had an eating disorder in college. It got really bad in college. It got very, very bad, but, but that was mostly the product of being very lost and alone and, and the stuff that you, a lot of people feel when they go to university. Right. And the one thing I thought I could control, and I was also worried. They always, always talking about like, Oh, everybody gains the freshman 15. So I was like all obsessed about that. And it, and at some point it just spiraled into a really bad, um, anorexia and bulimia I got down which is kind of shocking to about 100 pounds at some point and that is very light for me I mean my hair was where where kilos what's that in kilos that's like nothing is it oh my goodness Uh, divide by 2.2 so what would that be I I can't do that it's tiny it's no I can't it's tiny and you're not it's not good it's not good like literally my my hair was falling out and I was cold all the time and I was it was bad it was bad and my mom I my mom didn't know what to do because I was getting straight A's, but obviously not okay. And, you know, I was with kind of an abusive boyfriend, like the whole nine yards. It was all pretty terrible. And I kind of just got out of it the way that I got into it, sort of like one piece at a time. You know, I, I went home for a break. I got on my bike. I could barely ride it. And so I just started like, piecing it backwards and I got rid of the boyfriend and you know but it took me a long time to remember how to eat like that was a like or to figure out like because you you don't remember how a normal person eats like I think it changes your your um physiology doesn't it I've heard some like I'm sure you know about those sub those um um research studies that have 
I think there's one of people that they did in the war or something and it changes the way they look at it messes up a lot of things it messes up your microbiome it messes up your Mm -hmm. brain chemistry it's you know and now they there's a lot of evidence that there's you know it's a it's a psychological you know there's, there's lots of components it's not just oh you want to be thin and then you get obsessed like there's a lot of stuff that goes yeah. into it um, <laughs> and do you sorry do you mind sharing and i know you don't have to if you don't want to but i know i've heard you talk about this about one moment when you thought you were going to die oh i should that. yeah no <laughs> that's that's actually was one of the I, but the you know the really crazy part about that is that should have been the turning point right like that should have been when i was like okay like this but I can't say that 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 was the last episode. You know, it was just a very shocking moment to me. But yeah, I mean, I I used to, um, you know, as, as many people do, like when you, they purge, you know, they they use something to make themselves throw up like a tongue depressor or some kind of thing. And I would use my toothbrush and I went to the top floor bathroom in the dorms. I think it was the fifth or sixth floor where nobody ever went. And it was the middle of the day. And I had. I had binged and I was going to purge and I, the toothbrush slipped out of my hand and lodged in my throat. And I'll, I, I, I literally thought this is how I die. And then I thought they're going to call your mom and dad and they're going to tell them that your daughter was found dead in the bathroom. Um, and somehow I managed to keep my composure and get it out of my throat. And like, but it's so crazy, right? It was just like, I washed my face and I went to class, you know, and just went about my, my usual routine. But obviously that, that sticks with you. And I, I just recognized I was in, I was in deep, deep trouble. Like I really needed help, but I, yeah, I, I struggle so much with this because, you know, I, I tell people a lot when they're in trouble, you know, seek help. But I tried, like I went to one of the college counselors. And literally the first thing the guy says is like, well, you know, are you okay with gaining five or 10 pounds? Like that was like the literal, like, I'm like, no. <laughs> the worst thing that you can say right? to someone with a dating disorder. <laughs> I was like, absolutely not. He's like, just five. I'm like, no, you know? And I just thought like, wow, that was really unhelpful. And then I went to someone else and, you know, they started really going heavy on my dad and that made me upset. And it just like, it's, it's hard to find help sometimes when you're in that headspace, right? It, yeah. it's... Especially, especially back then as well. I, things have changed. I mean, I, I, when I, had it, I, my mom took me to the doctor when I lost my period and he told me to eat a hamburger. I'll never forget it. This old man told me to eat a hamburger. That was his, that was his solution. To right. Doctor. And you're like, okay, thanks. <laughs> okay. Thanks. I, I would never do that now. So uh, like we, it's a different time and it's so hard. It is a different but, time. But we're still now that we're this age we're still we still have that background and it's still those kind of things still impact us so I think that and I've I see that in the hit play not pause podcast that there's lots of other women that have had uh body image issues and and eating disorders and things and it's still kind of like and it's and we're going forward a bit here but I feel like because our bodies are changing again like they did at puberty where all those things are coming back to us and we have to you have to kind of deal with them all again and it's really it's kind of scary because it can either go one way or the other and it's taken me a long time and I don't know about you to actually change my um thinking again and get get through all those things that that had happened to me in the past oh yeah no it it definitely brings you know I, I I will say I've never come close to sort of 
going straight into those waters again. Like it wasn't that bad, but definitely a lot of psychological gymnastics to sort of watch the body change and be okay, you know, with, with the changes and embrace the new self, you know, while, while also working on optimizing the new self, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, it definitely, there was probably, you know, about a year or two where there was a lot of redefining what I, who I was in some ways, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But ultimately that's also not, not bad, you know? And I think that's what I try to get across. Like everybody's going to hit that at some point in some way, you know, in this transition. And I, I think that it's an opportunity to reassess and like, look at, look at what you're doing and like, what else you want to do, you know, because it's very easy to get sort of caught in, this is who I am and this is what I do. And this is what I always do. And honestly, you know, with age, that's going to change anyway. Right. But now we hit this little period like women get that is a little more disruptive than just, you know, cause it's so abrupt. And I think, I think it can be an opportunity to just put your head up and look around a little bit, you know, and that, and that's how I've, I have used it. And it's in, in many ways, it's my most confident time of life, even, even though it's not my strongest time of life, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. I I just think I totally agree. And I just think it's so, and having the play not pause um, um, Facebook group and the podcast, it just, I don't know, it, seeing other women going through things and dealing with issues and stuff and having the same issues, it kind of makes you feel a bit better. If that makes sense yeah. as well. And yeah, that's, that's why what, we're that's all here. One of the, that's one of the fabulous things about what you're doing is that just raising awareness and that's, yeah, it, it, I think it helps everyone. So, yeah. Well, really even if I think I was having this discussion, oh, she, it'll be the woman who's on the show next week. You know, she, she was going through all kinds of, you know, anxiety, depression, like mood, mood things. And she just didn't understand what was wrong with her. And just like she started listening to the show and connecting dots and she has not done anything, any interventions, but just the knowledge of what was underlying it was really all she needed. You know, like just like that was enough to sort of like calm her down and put her in a better place because she understood, you know, she understood like what was happening. And I think that that, you know, I mean, we draw that parallel to puberty all the time, but if, Nobody told you, you'd be like, what is going on? Right. So it's just like, you just need to know what's happening. Yeah, definitely. So I suppose next thing's your writing career and, and how you, how chic is your writing aim, isn't it? So I'd love to know about, yeah, kind of how you, how your writing career. And I think actually you used to be a medical writer and I find this really interesting. I assume this has really helped, um, with the menopause kind of thing as well, because you, you're used to writing about medically, you know, medical things right, right from your start of your career and now kind of it's very relevant to the menopause space, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it when I first started back in the day, you know, I, I got out of school and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a writer, but I, I, was, I was still a little lost. And I kind of fell into medical writing. I've always, I, I almost... I went into school thinking I would go pre-med and I, I did very well in my pre-med classes, but I just didn't want to go to school that long, quite honestly. Um, and I, 
I really always just was drawn to writing. I always wrote. So I just thought, oh, I'll get out and be like some kind of a writer, some kind of a, a health writer or something. And I fell into medical writing because there's quite a bit of it in Philadelphia. And that's where I was. And, you know, th- there was no internet then. So I had a giant Dorland's dictionary and I would be writing about stuff. I honestly did not know what I was talking. And I would just sit there like looking up things that I thought they were saying and trying to like piece it all together. It was like a giant puzzle. And it, it was a great exercise and I learned a lot. But I, I really wanted to get out and do more consumer facing press, you know, like more mainstream press. And that's where I learned about Rodale, which is the publishers of Bicycling, Men's Health, Women's Health, Runner's World, Prevention, you know, that whole that whole brand. And I sent up a bunch of resumes and they sent me a bunch of rejections. And then at some point, some headhunter from that they had hired found my resume and, and called me. And I had to write a chapter about dental floss as my test. <laughs> and if you could make dental floss entertaining and educational, you had the job. So I got hired. And that was that's that's where my whole life started and where it continues to be. You know, I mean, that was that sort of changed everything at that point. And the Fit Chick thing. So I I wrote for prevention brand first and then I started freelancing at the time you could freelance within the company. They sort of put the gavash on that later on. But so I started writing for some of the other magazines. So I wrote for bicycling and I wrote for runner's world and I always wanted to be self-employed. So when I started getting enough contacts everywhere, I just left and started my own, you know, just started writing on my own and uh, bicycling put me on retainer as their fitness columnist. And that was 1999. And, uh, you know, at the time out, there was tons of columns. That's just the format of the magazine. And I was a, uh, I had gotten certified to be a trainer before I went freelance, just in case, just in case I needed to work at a gym. And I answered all the training and fitness questions. So they were just like, ask the fitness chick. That was at the time it was ask the fitness chick. And then it got shortened to fit chick. And then like still people come up to me like, are you the fit chick? And I'm like, <laughs> I guess sometimes <laughs> somehow still 23 years later. Yes. You know, I never, nobody thought it would, it would carry on that long in a million years, but here we are. Yeah. Well, that's great. So I, I'm sure I've read, I've been probably reading your, um, your writing for years and years in magazines and not even realizing who you were. And I suppose I discovered you when I read Raw and mm. you were the co-author with Dr. Stacey Sims, plus also a case study. And I found that really interesting. It was, I suppose, maybe tell us how you, um, yeah. how you met Stacey for a start and then about the book. Yeah, that was super fun. That was a, uh, one of those serendipitous moments in life for sure. Like I, when you, I, when I started writing for bicycling, I also decided that I should get a coaching, you know, go through the coaching certificate licensing process. So I did that. And you have to every two years, renew your continuing education and renew your license. So I would go to the USA cycling summit every two years, which was terrible, honestly. I mean, there were a couple of good presenters, but you would see the same dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, there would be a guy up there talking about women cycling who would say, well, I don't work with women much. But, you know, like literally he said that like three times. I'm saying, I, I sat in the audience thinking, what is happening? And then there was one year I went, I think it was 2014, it would be 2014 I went. And a friend of mine who I stayed with in Colorado Springs said, I think you're going to like this one. There's this woman, friend of mine, Stacy Sims. She's really good. So I went to her talk and she was talking about menstruation and, you know, like the luteal phase and all this stuff and like hydration. 
And I had never, I had never heard anybody talk about that at any conferences that I'd been at. And it was amazing. Like she walked out of that conference room and it was, she was sort of like the Messiah walking out. Like people were like tripping over themselves to like follow her and ask her questions because there was somebody who had said new things and about women and about the menstrual cycle. So I got in line and I, I immediately thought like, this woman needs a book. That's all I could think of. Cause I was also doing a lot of book writing at that time. So I got in line and I went up to her and I had not met her yet. And I said, you need a book and I'm going to help you write it. And she said, cool. Like literally that's how it went. And we got a glass of wine at the bar later on and we talked and uh, she said, well, you should come out to Fairfax. She lived in the Bay area at that time. I'm going to have a team of elite women riders, cyclists, and I'm testing out new products. And I said, okay. You know, she was testing out Osmo at the time. And, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty wild. Like we went out and we were doing hill repeats up Mount Tam and motor pacing behind cars. And like, she would, she would feed us a drink, the, some, some food and give us a drink. And then we would do some tests and we, we would duck behind a dumpster or parked car and pee on the urinalysis strips <laughs> and like put them in front of her. And she'd be like, oh, you're losing protein. Oh, you're doing well. And we just spent like four days doing that. And, uh, and she and I talked and it took, it took a while to hammer out what the book was actually going to be. I'll be honest. Like we, we hammered it out for a while and once we once we nailed it, I thought this book is really going to change things. I mean, I was so excited about it. And it went out and Rodale was kind of starting to circle the drain a little bit. And it just didn't get the promotion that it deserved. And it, it did really well out of the gate and then just sort of fell off. And I was like, oh, and I'm not I didn't have the bandwidth to do. I didn't know how to market a book. And, you know, she had like 200 followers on Instagram at the time. You know, it was it was crazy. And then a couple of years later, I had uh, actual editors calling me like an acquisition editor saying, hey, you want to do a follow up to Roar? And I was like, what's happening? And I went on Amazon and like, it's doing so well. And I'm getting royalty checks. And she had hired Feisty Media to be her agency. So they, you know, who does the podcast, who I work with now. And they just, you know, they did the job of promoting the book and, and the rest is history. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. No kidding, right? It's, <laughs> I don't like, know what I would have done if I hadn't it's found that. mind blowing <laughs> to me that like, and I've always known that and everybody should know that. Like you can write the crappiest piece of garbage, like a Dr. Oz piece of crap. And as long as you have a machine to just throw it out there, you're going to be a New York Times bestseller. And you can write something that is literally revolutionary, like something that is, and without the promotion, it's better now that people have why, you know, it's, it's a little easier for authors to, to get it out there in the right hands. I mean, back in the day, there was no chance, but like, she's a scientist. She's not going to be on Insta doing Insta stories with her book. Yeah. It's just not going to be happening. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's, I know it's been life-changing for me and I'm so many other women around the world. And that's, I suppose, interesting about the um, one chapter about menopause. <laughs> Just and, the one. <laughs> yeah. And then the implications of what happened with that. Do you want to share about that? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's funny because we wrote that it was 2016, I think, you know, so 2015, I was still racing all over the place. Right. I, 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 I probably was stepping into menopausal waters, but I, I didn't, I didn't recognize it yet at the time. 
And Stacy wasn't really close to that space either. So it really wasn't forefront on our minds personally. You know, we obviously knew it was an important phase of life and included that chapter and included, you know, what is solid advice in, in that chapter. But it became abundantly clear from the recipients of Roar that one chapter was not enough, you know, and there was just definitely some some people hashtagging forgotten athletes and, you know, giving a little pushback. And then once I hit the menopausal transition full on, I was like, they are correct. <laughs> you know, one chapter <laughs> is not enough. We need to address that. And Stacy <clears throat> recognized it. So we have a book. It's coming out next next year. It's coming. And we've been, you know, it's supposed to be out this year, but. COVID, everybody knows all that. So it's going to be out next May. I'm so excited about it. Is is it called Next Level? Is it? I actually next love that. I know yeah. you talked you talked about the other name. What was it? Um, Cougar. What was it? Roar the Cougar Edition was my working title. I, know, I love that. That's the, kind of, that's so... the kind of cougar I want to be. But anyway. <laughs> Me too. But there were definitely some women like you either like really loved it and thought it was playful or you were so upset with me for even saying it. <laughs> so it's just like, let's not polarize everybody. But yeah. I just thought that's the kind of cougar I want to be. But anyway, next level is yeah. good as well. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. When do you, when does it, when is it uh, coming May out? May 2022. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh. Okay, that's a long way away. I'm like, I, I just it's, it's like, not, it, we're getting there. We're getting there. I, I check online because it's on on some of the online stores saying coming, and I'm thinking, when is it coming? <laughs> um, we actually have and, a cover now, so we're getting there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So w- when you're writing that book, I think that some of you kind of um, some of your main issues with menopause started, and you might have had some issues about writing the book. Is that right? That is correct. That <laughs> I, I honestly wasn't sure I was going to be able to write the book because. I felt like, like so, like so many people, and I, I had never believed them when I, when, when I was a younger trainer and I'd work with women and they'd be like, okay, you know, I, my body has changed overnight. I, I have lost muscle. I have gained fat where I've never had it. I don't, I am tired, you know? And that's just like, that just doesn't happen. You know, I mean, in my head, I didn't necessarily say that, but I thought it, and I have apologized in my head and out loud a million times to those women because it was such a disservice to them because my Lord, it does happen really quickly. It can happen really quickly. Like, and it makes sense now that I know that your estrogen levels can fall off that quickly. Like when, you know, when hormones plummet, the body just compensates in all kinds of ways and it happens fast, you know? So like, it's not in women's heads and, and especially in this generation, I've been loud and clear about that with, with anybody that pushes back on it. We're talking about women who have had training peaks plans for a decade or more, right? Like they know, they know their exercise programming. They know what they're consuming. They know what they're doing. They're wearing aura rings and whoop straps for God's sake, shut up. Like sit down. I mean, that makes me so mad when someone's like, oh, well, you know, they just get less active or, you know, they're, they're probably, you hear that. And it just makes me want to like explode. I'm like, that's not going to fly with this, this crowd. It's just not. So Anyway, so I hit that place and I was just like, I literally wrote Stacy and I was like, if I can't find my way back to training in a way that I feel like myself, I cannot put, I, I can't put my name on this book. You know, it's just, it's not genuine. It's not authentic. And she was just like, calm down. You know, she's like, I hear this all the time. <laughs> and, um, you know, she said I had never heard the words ashwagandha or sushandra or any of those things before she's telling me on the phone i'm like what is that how i'm trying to google it and you know just talking i had gotten out of the weight room and i 
had not really been doing any heavy lifting at the time. I still was doing a ton of endurance training and probably too much, you know, just the volume was still super high and more than I needed at the time. So I just made a whole bunch of changes, really, really taking some time to figure out my sleep, you know, which, and my inflammation, I started, you know, taking some CBD, some things, just like I I started paying a lot of attention to any inflammation because I had a lot of anxiety too. So I just wanted to sort of bring the temperature down everywhere. And, you know, over the course of, you know, definitely over the course of the next several months, I started to feel better. And I was like, okay, you know, this, there's no magic wand, but I feel like I know what's going on and I'm back in control and sure there's going to be some changes and I'm going to have to adjust the dials, but at least I am in the driver's seat again a little bit. And that's when I was like, okay, we can, I can, I can help you. We're good. Um, yeah. I think that's a huge thing, isn't it? Feeling like you feeling out of control when it happens initially and then implementing things where it, it's not that things aren't still happening, but you feel more in control and feel more aware about what's going on and why it's happening. And there are ways that you can um, mitigate the um, the implications. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And that's kind of what we were saying before. I think just you know, having the knowledge of what's going on and what you can try. I mean, everybody's different. Everyone's journey is going to be different. The same things won't work the same way for everyone, but there's definitely tools in the toolbox and you just build a really big toolbox and start pulling stuff out, you know, and that's pretty much what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So maybe can we talk about your athletic career? And I find, I just find it so fascinating because you didn't really take up well, was the Ironman the first kind of major athletic uh, thing you did? So that was before it, kind of cycling. Is that right? So you, you. No, no. Well, yes and no. So okay. I, I dabbled in stuff before. So like I, you know, as soon as I got involved with Rodale, it was really hard. It was just sort of in the water. Like people did 5Ks, people did, you know, things. So I had certainly lined up for like, I had done some events, you know, a half marathon here. I had done, you know, like a sprint triathlon, a couple of like little local mountain bike races. I had done that sort of all through my late twenties. And then were I had my winning, daughter. Were you winning those things? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you've always been, was, you've always been. I was winning. Star. I was winning the bike <laughs> events. I didn't, I didn't okay. know, not the running events. I was not concentrating on running, but like when I lined up for my first bike race that my friends had talked me into, I want it. So I was like, okay, I mean, I guess you're right. Um, but, but I, it still was like, not in my mind, like I was a racer, you know, I just, that's not how I identified. And then I had my daughter when I was 32 and I got back into it very shortly thereafter. I started, I did another triathlon 12 weeks later, I guess, you know? Wow. And yeah. And I, I won my age group. So I was like, okay, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's something happening here. Um, yeah. you've got, you've got some talent. Yeah. There's some underlying, there's some underlying talent. And, you know, I, I still had not had any actual athletic aspirations. I mean, I enjoyed doing it, but I wasn't at all serious about it in any way. And I was sitting, the more, you know, when you do these things, you know, you go to the triathlons and you hear people talking about Ironman and you see the tattoos and you're just like, that sounds really crazy. And then it starts <laughs> to sort of germinate in your mind and you're like, oh, maybe something I'm like, oh, that sounds really crazy. Cause I didn't consider myself ever an endurance athlete. I played field hockey. I did shorter things. I, I just didn't think of myself that way, but I, I opened up, I'll never forget. I was sitting right where I am now reading triathlete magazine. And there was an article, 16 weeks to Ironman, right? And I was like, I can do that, you know? 
16 weeks. And I opened the window. My husband was outside, like doing something in the yard. And I said, I think I'm going to do an Ironman. Like, and I was like, it's four months, you know, like we can do that. And he was just looked at me. He's like, okay, you know, whatever. And uh, it occurred to me that, well, actually what occurred to me is I had no idea how to do any of the swim workouts. Like when I looked at it closely, I was like, it looked like Greek. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what any of this is. I don't know because I wasn't a swimmer at all. I could just not drown, but I was not a swimmer. And I was like, oh, I should get a swim coach. So I called a friend of mine who I knew was a swim coach. And she said, happy to help you. She's like, my husband's an Ironman coach. If you want to hire us both. I said, sure. And, um, you know, I, I, I hired them and he sent me like the whole packet to fill out. And I sent it back to him and he immediately got back to me. And he said, with your cycling times, you could definitely qualify for Kana. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> that's not what I thought we were going to be talking about. So then it went from 16 weeks to nine months, you know, like it, we just, I, I, um, I, 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 some, it just clicked. Like, I don't know, like I, I, the audacity that I thought that I could actually win an Ironman, I still, I'm not sure what I was thinking, but he said it, I believed it. They put together a plan. I did. I didn't miss a single workout. I did every single workout. Like it's, I, I have famously called it the year I did everything right, but like I did every single workout and I went to Louisville and I won my age group at Louisville. And then I went to Kona six weeks later. And that- that's amazing. And did you have like a bike problem in Louisville as well? <laughs> I and did. Still won? And and still I, won. Still, <laughs> I still don't know. I still don't know how this, ha- like how I fixed it. So I, it was very hot. It was like in the nineties hot. And I had done the thing where you put the power bars on your top tube, you know, like you actually take them out of the wrapper and you smash them onto your bike. And one of the power bars I had seen it happen in transition. When I went to get my bike, the, the, it had melted and it had fallen into my derailleur. I was like, (laughs) so I pulled it out and I think I must've done something then, but I didn't know it. So I go out with my bike and it was, it was really funny. Cause I don't, if anyone's ever done an Ironman, like there's so many helpers, they're all the helpers, right? Like you come out of the water and they're helping you out of your wetsuit and they're spraying you with sunscreen and not the now. people were not now because oh, the COVID oh, anyway. <laughs> sorry, but then they did. And, um, you know, they're helping you out of your shoes. It's like a crazy thing. And the women who helping me out were like, we, you're one of the first women we've seen. We think you're doing super good. You know, like, da, da, da. and I went out my bike and it was a hilly course because it was in Kentucky. So it was pretty rolly. And but there was only like one major place where you'd have to get out of your big ring. You know, it was just like one major pitch. And I shifted into my small ring. And when I went back to get into my big ring, nothing, like nothing at the top of the hill. I was like, oh, my God. And I looked down and the cable had come like I didn't know what had happened, but like I knew that the derailleur was not attached to the bike the way it needed to be. And I was like this isn't happening. Like, this is not happening. So I got off the bike and a moto came up and he said, do you need support? And I said, yes. And it could have been, he's like, it could be 20 minutes. I'm like, Oh my God. Right. I was like, that's not happening. I can't go to Kona if it's 20 minutes. So (laughs) I got, I don't even know what I got out of my, I don't even know how I fixed it. I got some tool out of my bag and I somehow got the, I, I literally said, God, get me my big ring and I'm not going to leave the big ring the rest of the day. And somehow I got the thing into the thing and tightened it down and put it in the big ring. And that was and went on my way and didn't. That's and, amazing. It was ridiculous. 
And so you didn't know that you won because it was it a rolling start, some kind of rolling yes, start it's or the, one of the only right? ones. It's one of the only ones that um has a time trial start because it starts yeah. in like a little tributary that goes out into the big river, and you can't put everybody in that little thing. So you, it's it's kind of madness. Like if you're worried about your swim, they tell you to get there like early as you can, maybe camp out, you know, old school style because you have that extra time. Because the 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 cutoff doesn't start the cutoff time doesn't start until the last person's in the water, and it it took a half hour to get everyone in the water. You get a lot of time, you know, if you're in the water first. Yeah. And I don't know where I was in the whole melee of things, but like it was kind of cool because you literally are then just racing your race. You know what I mean? Like you're not looking around and trying to figure out where your competition is because you have no idea there could be any i don't know whether, i don't know whether that's in the u.s now as well but like the one the ironmans the half ironmans and ironmans now i've done the last couple of years because of covid we have ro- they've been rolling starts so um like they they put off like maybe two or four at a time so oh interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. we just ran off this dock into the water it was it was kind of cool but then yeah the, the downside of that is you get done and you're like i don't know and my brother God bless him. He's a scientist. He had done a whole spread spreadsheet <laughs> during the day. And he called me. He's like, unless the woman behind you is running four minute miles, you have won this thing. And I was like, I'm not going to believe it until I hear it. Like, thank you, Kirk. I appreciate it. But I'm not going to believe it until I hear it. But indeed, I did. That's amazing. And how did it feel actually qualifying for Kona? I mean, I know that you kind of knew that you were going to do it but it surely it must have been just amazing to think I've it was done one, i've done one eye mat and i am on my way to kona <laughs> it was it was it was surreal it was it was amazing and when i went down to like pick up my you know pick up my spot the next morning you know there was a line of women hoping i wouldn't show up who were very <laughs> sad that i had showed up um and then yeah i mean six weeks was honestly just the right amount of time just the okay. right amount of time so that's because, kind of it is that like you're not you're not gonna lose condition but you can maintain it is give a right? little time you know it's like i literally i took two weeks to just sort of recover mostly do what i want two weeks to kind of build back up to something and then two weeks or more or less taper and just went and did it i mean the morning i woke up in cone i was like wow this again like, am I really doing this again? But, <laughs> but I had no, you know, that, that was a hundred percent just go and just have the day. You know, I, I, I had no aspirations. I wasn't going to win the thing. I knew that. Um, I really just wanted to, I was a Kona, right. I was just wanted to be there. One thing I just love about you, and I think this is so motivational for a lot of other women who might want to do triathlons that maybe think that they can't swim, but you, is this right, shaved 45 minutes off your swim time? Is that right? I wish you would. You must have been such a bad swimmer. I hate to say it. If you had seen, if you could have seen my coach, Erica, when I hired her, her face, like during our first session, no poker face. She just like the look of horror on her face of like, you really don't know how to swim. I mean, well, I can tell. A, as like, an adult, she, as an adult, that is amazing because. Well, I mean, I knew not to, not to drown. I mean, but like yeah. I, literally I hadn't had swim lessons since I was in elementary school. So I knew how to kind of swim, but like I would get out of the water exhausted, exhausted. And literally like one of the last people, I was just very fast on the bike, but when you learn how to swim, like you're actually not exhausted. You're just warmed up, you know, you feel great. Yeah. So yeah. it, yeah. So literally what, was your sw- what was your swim time in um, Kona? Do you mind me asking? 
I'm going to try to remember because I don't remember Kona as much. It, in, oh, Kona Louisville. I bet. What it either? was 117. One Does that sound right? 115? Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe because you're get, a cyclist. Like I was just over an hour, but I'm a bad class and I can swim. I can't do anything else. Yeah, no, I mean, my bike time, I, I average like 28 miles. That's amazing, so, like, though. Like, as, a, as yeah. an adult, to to be able to, like, because swimming is kind of uh, very technical and, and it's kind of, you get, you have you learn to feel the water when you're a kid. Like, it's not like running. So I still to do don't that know if I can adult, feel the water. I would, it would come and go. It's amazing. It's just yeah. amazing. I, thought, I find it amazing. I think it's so motivational for other women who, because I know that a, a lot of women go, I'd love to do a triathlon, but I can't swim. But showing what you've, you've like gone to Kona, like you can't even swim and you've gone to Kona. Like that's It's incredible. all technique. And I, I work, yeah. I did work very, very hard to, to learn that. But, but swimming, like I, I always likened it to golf. I don't know if anyone here has golfed, but like, when you golf, you, you swing the club and you swear you're swinging it the exact same way each time. And, you know, the ball is going like shanking and hooking and like you're hitting the ground and then you finally hit it and it goes thwack and it's that beautiful and it arcs and you're like, okay, how can I replicate that? And swimming just felt just like that to me. Like it felt yeah. like you're doing the same thing, but you're when you finally get that magical catch and pull and it, it, it feels that same sort of like beautiful effortlessness, but it's elusive and <laughs> you have to really work at it. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad there's something that you have to work at really hard. <laughs> that that is definitely, definitely. Uh, so, and what about Kona, the experience was like, was it just brutal conditions? Like what was the whole Kona experience? It like? was kind of weird to be honest with you, because Louisville was amazing. Like they had more volunteers than racers, you know, and there was the crowds were enormous and they were super, super duper into it. And then I got to Kona and I was like, this is it. Cause it's, a, it's such a small, you know, I'm like, this isn't what I envisioned, but it's supposed to be desolate. Like that was the idea. You know, I, I, I just was like, wow, this is very strange. And, you know, so there's a lot of people there, but some of them feel like they're there for the party, you know, and you're just sort of in the background. You're sort of the entertainment, if you will. Like, um, so it was, it was it was a little surreal for me. And it was definitely, you know, it on paper that you could do that race in no time. You know, the course is just it's nothing on paper, but it's all the elements. You know, the the, the swim was very, very difficult because it's sort of like being in a washing machine. And people warned me about that. Like when you do other Ironman, the, the pack, there's so much dispirited abilities that, you know, it thins out much quicker. But like everybody has qualified to be in Kona and they're all kind of closer in ability. And so it just doesn't, you're just like the bubbles. You can't see anything. You can't see your hands. It's, it's very churny. And somewhere close to the yacht, like I found there was a woman in front of me who had a butterfly tattoo on her foot. And it was finally clear enough to see. And I said, I'm not, I don't care if she swims to Japan. I am just going to, I'm not putting my head up. I'm just going to follow those, that butterfly until it gets me to shore. And I literally did that. I did not even look, I didn't care. I'm like, hopefully she knows where she's going. I'm just, hopefully she wasn't butterfly. zigzagging. Hopefully she was right, totally. I mean, we could have <laughs> swam three miles. I don't know. Maybe that's why it was 117. Who knows? But like, I just like, I just want to like, and I'm not a good ocean swimmer. My, my time at Louisville, I'm sure was much shorter than that, but like the ocean is not my friend. I don't, I get a little seasick. I don't like swimming in the salt water. Yeah. The fish were cool, but that I was glad to get out of the water <laughs> and it was super, super windy. There was a, 
I have never been actually scared on my bike that way, but like on, you know, the, the, the out and back on the drive, like the winds, it was like, you could see the, the trees bending. You could hear it. It sounded like a truck coming from the side. It was very scary. And I was going up and there was a racer coming down and, um, there was a big German guy in front of me going up and the wind kicked, like just blew both of us sideways. I, I corrected. He went straight across the, the road on the other side with the racers coming down. And these guys are like swearing, what the F are you doing? And I was just like, it's not his race plan. Like, let's be clear. <laughs> yeah, this is not what he had in mind. He goes, he went sailing over the guardrail. I'm like, you're done. That lava is sharp and terrible. I just... I got to the turnaround and I thought this is harrowing, like going down with that kind of crosswind. I was, I was, I just, again, I, I, a lot of talking to God. I'm just like, get me down. Just get me down. I had like one hand on brake, one hand on the arrow bars. And then the run is just, the run was hilarious because it's so hot and it's so, it's so exposed. And we went, it was pretty, it was pretty funny actually. So running out and again you you run out and then you make that turn and you go to that terrible energy lab place and you go back up like it's a it's it's a kind of torturous experience out in the middle of it so i'm running out and it's, we're just like ants going toward death you know it's just like people <laughs> as far as the eye can see just like little dots of people running in, into the lava fields and this woman runs up to me that i had met in uh, louisville which was astonishing I'm like what are you doing here you know she's like oh yeah i'm here too it's my second time and, and I was, I saw where people were starting to like turn. I'm like, oh, is that the turnaround? And she's like, oh no, 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 no. That's when you go down to the energy lab. I think it's called the, the, the energy lab, right? Those, those... Is, this while, is this while you're in the race? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, so you, you, didn't, run... you didn't actually know the course. You just I'm terrible. Did it. Oh no, I'm the worst. No, <laughs> no, I, I, I looked at nothing. So then, <laughs> and of course we run down to like the thing. And I start literally losing my mind. Like the heat was, was, it was somewhere in that terrible 17 to 19 mile region. And I started throwing things away. Like I'd go by a garbage can. I'm like, I hate this hat. And I, would, I threw my hat away. <laughs> like I, I threw my son, I, I took stuff out of my pockets. I'm throwing things away. I'm like, I just want to be done. I was literally losing my mind. And then you get to like mile 20 something and you start smelling the barn and you have energy again. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was exciting. I mean, it was exciting to, to, to come in and finish and it was pretty funny. My husband uh, was there and they start college football because the time difference at seven o'clock in the morning. So he had found a, bu- a bar and made a bunch of friends. Cause that's what my husband does. He makes friends everywhere he goes and they would, they all had their phones and they would figure out when we were going to be at like the hot corners to see us. And they would like leave the bar and come out and cheer and then go back in and then they would follow us. And he was so loaded by the end of the day because he had been like drinking beer with these guys. But since like 7 a.m. And I'm like, who is going to take who home here? Like, are you like, are you, are you kidding me right now? But it was uh, it was pretty funny. That's funny. And you still came in. You still finished really high up, didn't you? I think. Is that right? 25, maybe. That's I mean, I, I honestly barely. I, yeah, I, that just wasn't my. I know it wasn't your goal, but it's still it's still amazing. It's yeah. just, and I can't believe you yeah. didn't even work, know what what the course. Was I had no idea what I was in <laughs> for. So I, there was, it was really the best. It was just, sometimes I don't like to. <laughs> sometimes know. it's better, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and so then after that, is that when your kind of semi-professional 
cycling career took off? Yeah, there was um, during my training for that, I had gone out to a local race. Um, I, I wasn't mountain biking as much because I just needed to put so much time in on the road, but I was starting to get burned out on the road. So I did like one big mountain bike race and I won it. And the, the woman who always wins it, and I didn't know her at the time, she was a pro in the mid-Atlantic region, came up and she was like, so who are you? And I was like, who are you? You know, <laughs> and she, you know, we got to know each other and she called me, it was maybe six months after the whole Ironman thing. And she had been picked up by a team started by Jim Wilson, who is a, he, he's actually a, a brilliant researcher in cystic fibrosis, who had started a team to sort of raise awareness and raise, you know, money and stuff. And he, he's super ahead of his time. He wanted it to be uh, all women, elite women, because at, at least that's how it started, because he thought women were underrepresented. And he knew her. So he had hired her and she said, told him to check out me. And that's, that's where all that started. And, uh, so you know, how I got old to, were you, sorry, how old were you? Around? I was 39 when I did Ironman. So that's I didn't amazing. start racing wow. with them until I was 40. Okay, great. Yeah. And was the other lady that age as well? She was, was 42. She... Yeah. Wow, no, that's Cheryl incredible. Too. And we both had a very similar trajectory. Like, you know, she had raced a little more seriously than I had pre pre her son. She had a son. Um, but then she took a ton of time off to raise her son and it had just been getting back into it. So like we both had, and we were like the only moms in the bunch for, all, for most of the races. So we, we always sort of bonded over that. Right. And so then you, so mountain biking, was that, that was that a mountain, was that mountain biking? It was mountain biking. We mountain did um, biking that, stage racing or is yes. that comes yeah. after? Yeah, that and was so that, that all followed that. I, I went to Africa to do the Cape Epic with her, Cheryl. Okay. Probably the next year. And then I um Rebecca Rush had come to do a local race. And you know, I won, you know, and she was just like, okay, you know, but it was very technical and she wasn't used to technical races because everybody thought Rebecca was gonna win that race. But we became fast friends and then I got her a book deal and, and co-authored her book. And we spent a lot of time and it was about 2013. We spent a lot of time together. We uh, raced the Brazil race, which is a seven or eight day stage race across Brazil. We did the Israel epic, which is in Israel. Obviously uh, we did unbound together. You did a lot of things together during those years while the Leadville, while the book was coming out. So do you have a favorite race? Yeah. You know, I, that all that the whole time was so was so surreal because those places are so amazing to mountain bike through you know uh brazil brazil is the one that sticks out in my in my heart i just loved i loved that whole course and the whole experience you know it was just you would go through bamboo and then you'd go to like high desert and go through red dirt and there was wild horses that would run out onto the single track with you and burrows and it's just like a crazy wild place very long days all of them have very long days uh but it was just such a it was such a special special time you know i i had never raced like that i mean i i was never a capital p pro and rebecca is a capital p pro and and so when we were there you know we were there with specialized and the mechanics would knock on your door at five in the morning and they would be like, what pressure would you like to run today? And I'd be like, Oh, 21 in the front, 23 in the rear. And then they would, you know, what snacks would you like when you're done? And they would come with washcloths and wash your face when you were done. It was like, 
this is, I mean, it's amazing. It comes with pressure, you know, I mean that, that, but it's a, it was an amazing experience. So can you just explain it for people like kind of like me in the group that might not exactly understand how it works, but how long are the, like how long how long are the days yeah and then how many days in a row and all that kind of stuff and yeah it kind of depends on the race so the big ones like the cape epic in south africa brazil they're very long days i mean you might have a 50 to 90 mile day on a mountain bike which is a long day um you know the the cutoff times just to give perspective the cutoff times on three days might be 11 and a half hours might be 12 hours so they're and you long. long. So, I mean, we aren't out there that long. Like we were out there maybe six, but you would see people coming in after 12 hours in the sun in, in Brazil or South Africa, just shattered. And, and then they have those, to back up the next day. Well, they, yeah, their bikes are broken. They're shattered. They have, oh to, and they have to like fix their stuff, shower, eat, recover. I mean, those are the people who are doing amazing things, frankly, like to make it through with that little bit of recovery. I mean, I've, I've got my legs up and there's some massage person rubbing my, you know, flushing my legs, but um, yeah, so they're, they're, they're quite, they're quite long and they're, they're quite difficult. <laughs> you know, they're long, difficult days. The terrain is very rocky, sometimes harrowing. Um, there were baboons on the course, you know, and, and, south africa it was, it, was, it was pretty wild so those and it and depends on the the races but those two are long maybe seven or eight days israel was three or four days a little bit shorter yeah it kind of depends on on the race but a lot of them are quite long right so and you've spoken about your pre-race nerves before to me and <laughs> i've heard you talk about it before to other people so ha- do you think that, like, I know you've talked about maybe even, have you thrown up or almost thrown up? I've like, never just, actually thrown up. Okay. You feel like it though. I definitely, it's hard to eat. I definitely feel like it. It's, uh, yeah. I, it, I just described it as misery. Like I'm swimming in a sea <laughs> of misery. And I started to try to, cause I, I honestly, I still get it. I know it's, it, and, and sometimes it can be just as bad. I'm like, oh. I just don't, I don't want this feeling, but I, I've started to just frame it as potential energy because that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. It's just like all this pent up energy and nerves. And I keep trying to frame it as excitement. I'm always very jealous of those women who are like genuinely stoked, you know, and men who are just like, Oh, I'm so excited. And I'm just like, I wish, I, but I, you know, I looking back to even field hockey matches, I felt that way between before those two, like, it's always been with me. Like I, like that kind of nerves have if for competition is just always, always been part of me. And I, it's, it's just something that I just accept. I don't love, don't love it. I actually opposite of love it, but I accept it as part of the process. And the moment the gun goes off, it's done. Like the moment, you know, I'm, I'm in motion, then it's just like, I'm in the process of, of doing my thing and I'm enjoying my day, but the morning of is terrible. It's a terrible thing. It obviously doesn't hurt you though. <laughs> it's obviously, it's obviously it, hurt, it hurts inside. <laughs> uh, so I'd love to know whether your athletic goals have changed since, um, I don't know, perimenopause and then you're, are you, you're postmenopausal. I am now, now. Yes, yeah, yes. Yes. So Took whether, me a while to realise when that happened, but I am definitely officially, yeah. So whether intentionally or unintentionally your athletic goals change or they're exactly the same you know oh no 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 they've changed they've changed and they've they've been i've they've been changing for a while like there's 
as much as I loved doing, you know, all those races and lining up at the front and going for it, I, uh, there was always a part of me that did want to be able to sort of like stop and look at things and slow down a little bit more, you know, and, and I, and the whole competition piece for me, it was never, there are people who really just competition makes them tick. They love to race. You know, if they didn't have bikes, they would race something else. They'd race speed boats, right. They would do whatever they, that's just, they just like the game. And I, that has never been my driving force. And I've struggled honestly to put whatever word it is to my driving force, because I do like the process of training. I like pushing myself. I like the outcome that often comes with that, but I'm, I, I honestly don't care. It's not about beating everybody or when it's just not, you know, that's just not my, it's never been my driving thing. I'm like, Oh, if I get the podium, that's cool. I mean, there's some people who are just like really upset if they're second, you know, or, or third. Um, but yeah, somewhere along the line, you know, I just like, it takes a lot, you know, as I'd mentioned, it takes an awful lot of energy. It takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot out of you in ways that aren't physical necessarily to, to train and to compete at that level or to try to always step onto a box somewhere. And I got, that just started to lose its, its luster for me. And I just wanted to take it somewhere else. So I wanted to not, not do events, but, but to do different events, to do events differently, you know, to not worry. You know, there, there've been many events that I just, I line up in the back and I talk to people, you know, and, and like, I'll still push it here and there, but I'm not, I'm just not worried about the result. And it took me a while to, to get there, but it's, but I'm, I definitely feel like I'm there now. And I like, I like being there, you know, I care when I want to care and maybe not care as much. Is that just, do you think that's just like an evolution of, of your career or do you think that there's been some um, impact of, like how, how things have changed at menopause for you or is it just like a just I a, think, I, yeah no it's, it's a fair question I do think menopause um accelerated that thought process because like I said like when when I sort of hit that 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 spot where things weren't working the way that they always had worked and things weren't as predictable it was kind of welcome to put my head up because I had been wanting to put my head up you know so in so in my case I was just like this is a good point, you know, while I'm figuring this out to just like reassess and think like what, what I want from all this. Cause I had already been sort of like the evolution was already naturally going that way. I mean, like there, there, there are some people who want to chase that forever. I have friends who do, and that's great, but I've just not, I'm not one of them, you know? And I, I felt like I was, I was doing it just because that's what I always did. And I, I, that wasn't a good reason anymore. So menopause kind of gave me a, a, point an inflection point to be like all right let's think like what do you want to do what does this look like yeah I think it yeah I I think as well menopause it's a good chance to just reevaluate lots of things isn't it and it's kind yeah. of yeah it's just a, a changing it's kind of like a where you want the next part of your life to go I suppose 100 uh, percent. yeah um so but you still do compete at a high level it's not like you yeah. don't I mean, like, do you, that, can you tell us about like Leadville and things like that? Like, do you still compete in events like that? I don't tend to to repeat events, so okay. I, like I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily go. <laughs> so you're not I, are you doing another Ironman? Or I, no, no, that is it, <laughs> that marathon thing will probably never happen again. Um, 
And it's, it is really just because of the marathon that is, that is much more running that I like to do. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I went up and did Vermont Overland, you know, a couple of weeks ago, which is a, a gravel race. I do, I do quite a few gravel races now. You know, I, I won my age group at one last year. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, you're, so not, you're, you're not really like retired or anything. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more semi than pro for sure. Yeah. For sure these um, so with, can you just explain the difference? So with gravel, is it just more not as hilly and rough as mountain biking races? Is that the, is that the difference or? It depends where you are, you know, like okay. the Vermont overland was definitely in places, a mountain bike kind of, you know, you would have been fine and maybe happier with a mountain bike. Uh, in general, that is the case though. In general, you are on, it depends where you are in the country or whatever country you're in but you know you go out to some place like Kanza and it's just very rough roads you know just like chunky rocky very rough roads but not single track with features you know it's not that kind of thing uh but if you go to a, a grinduro event or you know some other sort of event you have to kind of know what you're getting into I guess is what I'm saying because there definitely are events where you're going to be on your drop bar bike going, I have no idea how to do this. You know, it's because it's your, you're on your off road in what is kind of mountain bikey terrain, but many others are not like many others are just dirt roads, you know, like unpaved is not even, not even a lot of gravel. It's just like beautiful, hard packed dirt. That's better than tarmac. Right. Okay. That's interesting. And have you, I think you've got a kind of a toe joint issue. Is that is that mm. why you don't run anymore as much? No, or? not really. I mean, no. I ran through that. Um, it, it did. It, it's the, I have a bone spur at the base of my right toe and you can really, you can actually see it. Like it, my, my podiatrist said, it looks like a party hat. And uh, <laughs> it, in the, in the x-rays, it does kind of look like a party hat, but um, it comes and goes. I, it's funny. I don't want to drop this, but I will. We actually got a new sponsor, Prevenex, on the show because it's this company approached us and they have a joint health products. I had been taking glucosamine and chondroitin for a while and it made it manageable, but it would still kind of flare up. And I like in yoga, I had a very hard time lifting my toe off the ground. Sometimes I couldn't at all, but I started taking, I stopped taking that. He gave me this joint health thing and I was you know, pretty skeptical. But it has uh, boswellia and another form of uh, eggshell membrane, which is also a natural source of glucosamine and chondroitin. And honestly, within two weeks, I like was lifting my toe off the ground. Wow. It's been it's been remarkable. Like because I I've been having that. yeah I highly recommend it. Um, and they will be sponsoring the show because you know like when you do lunges and stuff, it would always kind of hurt, and I'd always be yeah. trying to like it's so much better. I'm oh. really astonished. And I didn't look up the product before I started trying it because I didn't want to predispose myself to anything. But then I looked it up and it it checks out quite well, like the ingredients on examine.com, which is a place I go to see, you know, uh, research on supplements. And it 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 shows up better than a lot of the supplements that people use for different kinds of arthritis and stuff. It's been I, I don't use the word remarkable often. It has actually been remarkable. Mm -hmm. So do you, have you ever had many other injuries throughout your career and, and kind of specifically since menopause as well, like any, cause you know, we have seen so many people seem to have lots of joint issues. And they do. And I'm so glad things. that I'm not like, I, I hear that. And that has not been one of my symptoms. I have not had any joint stuff. Um, I have had my share of injuries. I've broken plenty of ribs. Um, you know, I've, 
uh, separated my shoulder, dislocated my shoulder. I broke this finger that I fixed myself, which you can see. I did a, did a, I did a you did a great job. I did a great job. I did a that's such a good job. No one will be able to see it, but it's not very good. <laughs> no, I, orthopedic surgery is not in my future. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I've definitely had my my share of 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 stuff. Thankfully, nothing. You know, I mean, when you race bikes, you you crash bikes at some point. But I, thankfully, not anything. Yeah, too bad. That's good. So I think, I don't know, I, I really want to know this kind of thing because I love finding out what other people do and I'm sure other people will want to know as well, but kind of your typical week for training and, yeah, how, how you kind of go about your, like a general week for yourself or does it change all the time? Or I'm sure it changes depending on what you've got coming up, but like a typical kind of training week for you. It really does depend. So, I mean, I, I tend to ride my bike a lot. So I'll ride my bike at least 10 mile, 10 hours a week, um, you know, throughout the year, pretty much maybe a little in the winter time, but it, it, it tends to sit around 10 hours in the summertime. It'll go longer. I do some sort of mobility work. I am not great about doing it in any regimented way. I, I tend to do it just a couple moves in the morning as I need them, you know, if I, whether I'm doing like a few yoga things or foundation moves. I am not as awesome about structuring my strength training as I should be. And I'll be completely honest about that. When the, when the summertime comes, I am on my bike more and I, I cannot make myself go to the gym. So what I will do is I have kettlebells in here. I'm in my office and I will just make myself do so many swings, you know, so many pushups, that kind of thing. And I, I ride my single speed mountain bike, which is a lot of strength work going up and down the hills. It's, 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 it works, it works very, very well for lower body strength. So that kind of gets me through the summer until I'm like, okay, then like two days a week, I'll go into the gym and do actual stuff. You know, I'll do deadlifts and, and all the stuff that I tell people to do that for several weeks in the summer, I just can't make myself do. Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? It's so important, but it's, it hard, is, it's, but, hard you know, to, it's hard trying to, I can to feel it, it now in. this time of year. I'm just like, okay, you got to get back in the gym. I can get away with like a couple of months of just like doing what I said, like just bare minimum maintenance, but then I definitely have to get back in and do it. So with your strength training, like you kind of, I assume you do the kind of just heavy lifting short, like get out of the, do a few heavy lifts and then get out of there. Is that I right? like, I like heavy lifts and box jumps. That's my yeah. very favorite thing to do. Yeah. And have you done any other plyometrics? I find plyometrics really interesting about the, you know, um, the side to side kind of movements and all that kind of things to help our bone density as we age. So yeah. do you do, if you've been incorporating some of that kind of stuff as well? Yeah, I do some of that. I do mostly box jumps, but then I'll do like, um, some speed skater kind of things, you know, the side yeah. to side jumps. And that's, that's about the extent of it. I'll do a little jump roping here and there, but you know, you don't need to go crazy with it. Like I, I don't like to spend a ton of time in the gym. I like, I do like to kind of be efficient with it. Yeah. I like, I like that now that that kind of is, you know, it's better for us to be in the gym less than and actually yeah, just right, you know, get it done out of three there. sets of 15. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. 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 And 
So you take you've taken up have you taken up paddleboarding recently as well? I love stand up paddleboarding. Yeah, I love it. I love it, and it it's just uh, I never feel as soon as I float out under the water. It's so there's something magical about standing on the water, you know, and it's definitely that. Like it, I've ne- I didn't feel that way kayaking. I've kayaked plenty, but there's something very uh, calming that happens when I float out in the water on a stand up paddleboard that I can't attain. I can't seem to attain any other place. And we've won. So that's, kind of, that's kind of your part of your relaxation. And um, yeah, like, I feel kind so of chill. Your, med- your meditation. So chill. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And anything else do you like? Is, is it mainly just writing? Do you do you run as well still or not at all? I, I run. I, I Running also takes a backseat in the summertime when I'm on my bike all the time. But the fall is a beautiful time to trail run here, you know, so late fall when it's getting a little cold and a little dark, I definitely pick up the trail running again. And I really, really like trail running. Like I, I I sometimes fancy I'm like, oh, I should, you know, I would like to do like a longer trail run. I, I, as tempting as it sounds to do some, some kind of an ultra, I, I temper that because it's hard for me to run more than a half marathon without going into injury territory. It always has been like, it's always been, it's always, even when I was in my twenties, like as soon as I started pushing past that half marathon mark in training, like I had to be really vigilant to not get it band tweaks or, you know, plantar fascia. It's just, so I'm not, I'm not super built for running and it's, uh, you know, so, but 10 miles is still like a badass distance to run, you know? So Mm, I'm I'm happy with what about swimming? Do you do any more swimming? <laughs> or did that end after the Ironman? <laughs> I, I I have a, a pool. It's not a, a long pool. So I do swim some here. I I would swim every day if I lived by open water because I do yeah. really love open water swimming. I always hated the pool, like doing doing straight up laps. It's so it's horrendous. To me. <laughs> right? It's horrendous. Yeah. I mean, I love because I love open water swimming. Like if the there's a, if where I practiced was just you know, it's like 35 minutes away. It's a little too far uh, just to make it a regular thing. Cause all of a sudden now that's like an hour and a half or more out of your day, two hours. Mm-hmm. Right. But man, if I lived closer to that, I'd be in it every day. Yeah. And what about your diet? Like, I'd love to know a little bit more about like, well, I suppose if you made changes since um, you've hit menopause and yeah, kind of what your, what your diet. And do you count calories? No, I count nothing. And all I count that? nothing. Yeah. I, and I never, I never did. I, and I don't honestly, I think it's well for people that. who have had eating disorders. I don't know whether it's a great thing to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't really decide that either. Some people, it seems to be, I think it's a very individual thing. I have always believed in intuitive, almost everything. Like when I trained for Ironman, I had no power meter, no heart rate meter, wow. or anything. I just went really? by, yes, I went by feel and, and speed. Um, I, much to my coach's chagrin, but I, I really, I, and I, I'm that way with my diet too. I, people ask, and I'm just like, I eat very seasonally. Like right now I'm eating a ton of tomatoes because we have a ton of tomatoes, you know, but I, 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 I just eat food. You know, I grew up, my dad was a hunter and had a garden. So I just ate, you know, I would eat meat and I would eat vegetables and like whatever else we had. And, and I've really just continued that. I, I just eat, it's pretty simple. I like to cook and I don't, I I've mentioned a few times. I'm not an overthinker. I'm not an overthinker. I get up and I just uh, see what I've you're, gotten. From... You're, you're definitely a doer. 
<laughs> yeah, I am more of a doer than a thinker sometimes. That has gotten um, me in trouble in my life. But um. <laughs> so, but what about since you've hit menopause? Like, have you? Um, I know for myself, I've definitely realized that because I grew up in the, I don't know, high carb, low fat. I and I somehow neglected protein. I had to eat more protein. Or have you had, used your diet or kind of not changed? It's always that much been. Yeah, it hasn't really changed that way. I mean. Honestly, the, the things that I, I changed were, you know, being more cognizant of sort of like the red wine, you know, that, that, that is more disruptive <laughs> of sleep, you know, and just and, and, and being more respectful of that. So I've, I've, I've made those adjustments over time and the, the basic things of like, uh, you know, maybe like eat, trying to eat dinner earlier. I, I've always been a bit of a more early eater, but that's the, that stuff that I would usually just not even think about maybe even five years ago, I'm much more cognizant of, I'm just like, hmm, yeah. I know that that's gonna, I, and it all comes back to that sleep piece. Cause I really like, I wear them, my aura ring and I like to see my crowns. <laughs> I like to see the, all the, the nice things that are you know, all the good scores. And it, if anything, I think that that piece of technology just helps me take care of myself. You know? Yeah. So is that the only device you use or a ring? Do you, do you like use Garmin and all those other things or anything I have, else as well. I have them, but they're in my pocket. I don't look at them. So I like to, I like to see it afterwards, but I don't I don't like numbers on my bike anymore. I, I okay. once I stopped racing for positions, I took all that off. And then I discovered it actually doesn't even matter. Like if I'm gonna yeah. be doing some structured intervals, which I do kind of still like because they're fun and they work, then I'll I'll look at something, you know, obviously, because I I'm not gonna count. But that's pretty much it. Yeah. And I that's use good. Strava. I mean, I use that stuff because it's fun, but I don't. Yeah. I don't, don't. I don't. You don't live by it. Oh, God, no. Lord, yeah. Lord, no. Yeah. I, that's one of the things I've done since I've stopped the Ironman. I've, I've kind of turned off everything and I'm trying just to, um, I actually still track my sleep a bit, but I'm trying to just exercise intuitively and listen to my body and give it it's what nice. it needs. It's nice. It's nice to do that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think we can get really detached and I, it's, it's, it is, it, when you put that stuff down and you, you find yourself, you're actually looking around and absorbing what you're doing more, you know, and I, I've, that I have made a promise to myself to do. Yeah, it's good. And what about supplements and adaptogens? I know that I think you've used ashwagandha before and well, obviously I use that. Supplement. I use that. I put uh, shisandra in my coffee and I use ashwagandha. I take vitamin D. And, uh, just cause when I did the inside tracker thing, I, I did that years ago with, I did a, a ride with goo and it was on the lower side and it seems like an easy thing to do. So I take that and I take, um, something from my, my toe. <laughs> now, now I'm taking Prevenix. I was always taking glucosamine and, uh, I do like CBD and I think it is just that anxiety piece, you know, like I, I did a lot of research on CBD for a project and, a lot of people take it for sleep and it's actually the research isn't awesome on it for sleep, but it's very good for anxiety. Um, and if your anxiety is what is keeping you awake, as we talked about on the show for a while, you know, with Dr. Sophie Bostock, then it will help you. And I think that that's why it, it helps me. Yeah. So did you actually, so did you, was sleep an issue for you during menopause? Like especially perimenopause or now? Perimenopause, or? it was it was quite bad. I mean, I would wake yeah. up at two thirty in the morning, like panic attack level kind of anxiety. Very hard talking myself down. 
a pool of sweat, like just like a sprinkler, <laughs> like a slip and slide, just, just, I just trickling and projecting off me everywhere. It was just crazy. It's crazy, um, isn't it? I just can't believe crazy. that happens. I woke up once. It's and crazy. I thought, I thought I had my period, but no, it was just sweat just dripping down my body. <laughs> yeah, it it was the anxiety piece, the, the 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 nighttime anxiety. I didn't I didn't need. I could have lived without that. So that was. But I again, like I just did not put two and two together with that. I never. I never really did. I mean, because also when I train really hard, sometimes I offload heat at night, you know, so I I wasn't necessarily thinking that that was anything but that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, sorry, any other, any other major symptoms? That's kind of it for menopause. You know, some hot flashes, but nothing, they didnn't really bother me. um, Yeah. And then psychologically. until body composition checks hands. So when did that start? Was that kind of just, just before you um, stopped, your period stopped? Is that right? Yeah, probably in like the, there was probably like a two to three year window. You know, I want to say it was like 48 ish that that started. And then I was probably done, done around 51, you know, later. So it's definitely in that window of time where, things were really a little haywire, you know, sort of out of nowhere haywire. And so since you've hit postmenopause, do you feel like, I don't know, for me, I feel like that my, now that my hormones seem to have adjusted to the, or my, sorry, my body's adjusted to the change. I'm feeling so much better. Is that I'm way, the same I feel for way you? better. Yeah, yeah. I feel way better. I still have, I feel, I, I have more days where I feel like, like myself on the bike, you know? Um, and the anxiety is still there, but it, it's not, I don't wake up like that anymore. And I don't know if that's like, because I'm taking this arsenal of stuff to like keep the, the nighttime anxiety down, or if it's the hormone settling down or probably a little bit of both. But um, that is very welcome that I don't wake up in the middle of like that, that has been a, if there's anything that's really helped, I think it's that like, I'm not waking up in the middle of the night and I'm getting really good sleep. So do you just and use, do you use CBD at, in the evening? Is that I when do. you use it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what about hormone treatment? I know we've spoken about this and. Um, Never. Do you, I, I've, I've thought back now and I'm thinking maybe it might've helped me in some of the times when I was struggling a bit, but I'm kind of glad I haven't because I, I don't know whether I would have addressed the issues that I had um, with my lifestyle if I had have used hormone mm. treatment. I'm not saying that people shouldn't because I know I that some people really, really suffer. But so what what we like why did you did you feel like that you you didn't have strong enough issues f- to use hormone treatment or how do yeah. you feel about it? Yeah, you know, I I think if I had had you know especially like listening to you know some of the the, the women in our audience if I had had like that kind of joint pain, you better believe I would have been first in line to anything, you know, because that would be incredibly disruptive. Um, you know, I didn't find the hot flashes super disruptive. I, I, I don't love going through the medical system if I don't have to, because it's just a giant mission, right? Like to make the appointments and to do all this stuff. And I also know that hormone therapy is, it, it's not, it's not like everybody gets the same pill, right? You have to dial it in. And that's a process. And I just wasn't motivated enough. I mean, that comes down to that. Like I didn't have enough to motivate me. If I had had something that was really getting in my way, um, I would have hundred percent done it, but I, I just never felt like 
maybe if I thought that the anxiety w- was part of that, I might have pursued something, but I, it, you know, that that's hindsight, you know, yeah. if, if it would have brought that down, like I never really had like that terrible brain fog or anything either that, that hormone therapy can be helpful with, but yeah. So that's the only reason really. And now I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I, I don't, again, I'm not motivated to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Uh, so now with the Hip Play Not Pause podcast, so exciting, and the Feisty Menopause Facebook group and things like that. So can you like share how that kind of came about and, and the name? I love the name as well. And yeah, <laughs> why you decided to do it? Yeah, well, you know, going back to that, writing that second book with Stacy, who was at the time and still is working with Feisty Media, they had approached me, Catherine, who a lot of people might know, who, who works with me at Feisty Menopause. Catherine had approached me to see if I wanted to do a webinar with them on menopause because she knew I was writing that book with Stacy, and they wanted to start getting into the menopause space. And I had been doing the Paceline podcast and really liked podcasting and thought that there was so much that you could do with it. And I just said to her, well, you should do a podcast. And she said, do you want to do it? And I said, yes. And that, again, not overthinking. And literally, like, she's like, okay, well, you know, and like, before I knew it, it was like, in three weeks, we were going to be launching this podcast. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and we did not have a name for it. And I did not have any name that I liked. And, and I, that was actually a super big problem, because I wanted it to be something that I wanted to say. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wanted it to be something like a name I was excited about and could because you talk about it a lot right and you're asking people to be on this show and I it was so important to me to get the right name and I had nothing like nothing and my husband and I I'll never forget we were sitting um it was a Sunday morning made some bacon and and coffee and we're having some breakfast and I was like and he's a, a marketing person too he's a creative person and I was like I'm dying here I'm like I need something so we just were like okay safe space. Like, let's just start throwing stuff out, you know, and see what we can come up with. And, you know, I thought like, I cringe even saying I'm like meadow power. I'm like, that's terrible, but like, we need to start somewhere. <laughs> and he said, meadow play. And I'm like, it's mm, better, but still terrible. And then he said, what did he say? Um, play not pause is what he said. And I was like, that's close. And then he came up like we went back and forth and he's like hip play not pause and i was like that's brilliant and i wrote i slacked them immediately i'm like i have a name and everybody loved it but i yeah dave came up with that i can't uh, it was brainstorming over the dining room table yeah i love so did it you have any- i love it yeah i love it too it's great uh, did you have any like reservations about starting a podcast about menopause and I would kind of briefly oh, totally on I was before. totally yeah I was totally I was totally freaking <laughs> like do you want to be known as the menopause woman and it kind of yeah. like be I don't know typecast only is that now <laughs> yeah no, I know it was I, I was freaking out quite a bit the night before we were going to launch I'm like I don't know my but the reception had been so enormously positive like I had put out the show tile before I started it before the launch and I mean you people were really excited about it so really I just had to get over myself and get over like saying menopause menopause is still can I just say not a pretty word it's just a drag of a word as a word person it is an awful word it's not a a, um empowering word is it I just don't think it's an empowering word no it's a it's a it's a drag that's all I can think of it's just a bummer of a word so that's why I like 
I like hit play, not pause. Cause it it's, it, it's saying it without like just using that, that bummer of a word. Yeah. So did you actually imagine it like how successful, like, did you ever imagine that it would be so successful? <laughs> like it's just, I knew amazing. it, you know, like, I knew it would do incredible. well. I knew it would yeah. do well. I did not, I'd be lying if I said, I mean, I, I knew it would do well because I had so many women who hired brilliant researchers and stuff who I had relationships with, who I knew I could call on right away. Like the biggest thing is like getting that started. Right. So like Stacey Sims is a great one to hit right out of the gate. But I also knew that I had Mary Jane Minkin, who is a very big name. And once you have Rebecca Rush, like once you have some, like now when I ask someone to be in the show who I don't know, they look down the list and they're like, oh, okay. Like, yes, that is a place that I will be because all of these other doctors' names who I recognize have been here. So that that I knew was like an ace in my pocket that I could play. And as long as I didn't F it up, which I was very afraid I was going to F it up, um, I knew we'd be okay. Yeah. That's actually one thing I want to talk to you about, actually, just saying about that. Like, I I find it weird that you have any self-doubts about yourself. You're so I have all successful. kinds of self-doubts. You have so, you're so successful in your, like, writing career. Not in my in, mind. And <laughs> career. And then you, you, and that's kind of what I love about you as well, is that you even have self-doubts. And so it kind so of, So like, many self-doubts. When people just, say that, it, I just it, die. It, it, it just makes, I don't know, it helps people like me who like, you know, have, haven't done so many things in their life because of their self-doubts, but you just do them and it's just great. I love it. It's wonderful. Thank you. But yes, I have, you can talk to my husband sometime to ask him, <laughs> ask him how it goes in my head. I am, I, 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 I very honestly, like any given day, I can think it's the end of everything. Like I, I, like, I just, I don't, I don't think of myself in the terms that you have just used. And I, um, and that's probably what keeps me going. Um, but yeah, but you, I, don't, I, you don't let it I, stop you. You still keep doing I don't. things and it's just amazing. I, I love it. I don't, I don't, I, I do. I do have enough confidence in my ability to do things. And I work very, very, very hard. You know, I work yeah. very, very hard to make sure that I know what I'm doing. Because as long as I know what I'm doing, I know I'll be okay. And I felt that way with athletics and I feel that way with this. Like, as long as I feel like I have done the work and I am prepared, I can, I can handle it. I can get through my self-doubts. I can get through that misery. I can sort of, you know, fake it if I have to until I'm sort of feeling more calm. But um, yeah, no, <laughs> self-doubt is every, every day. Mm. I, and actually, I, this is something I probably should have asked you a bit earlier, but I heard you talk about maybe when you, um, through your menopause journey, you had some kind of feelings of invisibility and that's kind of something that's a huge thing for a lot of women. Um, it's a weird yeah. thing, right? Yeah. It's a really weird thing. And, I, and I, I've, I've thought about that a lot because it was the same thing. It sort of, it was almost like I turned 50 and, and it, I'd stepped into some other place in my head where I just, I felt like I wanted to be invisible as long as well as being invisible. And it was a very, very weird thing. And I think it, I think it's the product of, of this out of controlness that you feel until you feel control. You know what I mean? Like, cause you self-identify so strongly as one way uh, for so long. And then all of a sudden, like you're looking at yourself and you're not seeing that same person reflected back at you. And you're not really sure who you're becoming or what's going on. And it's very disconcerting. 
you know, and I, and I, I think that that just emanates outward and inward. And I feel like that was so unexpected because I've, I've not ever, I'm, I'm not that way. Like I'm, I, that's just not how I've ever lived my life. Uh, I'm, if anything, I'm sort of just kind of out there, but that took, that, that took me by surprise. And I, and I still sometimes feel that way, you know, that that hasn't completely gone away. It's a little, it's, it's a little weird. It's better. Um, but it, it's, it's still, I think like any of those things, like, they still they hover and they wait for you to feel like tired and they pounce on you. <laughs> you know, like, that's why your sleep is so important. <laughs> yeah, definitely, I agree. <laughs> and so you've talked about your podcast guests. So have you like how do you work out who's on your podcast and have has everyone said yes? And yeah, how does all of that work? No, I've had I've tried to get Lisa Moscone on a bunch of times, but she doesn't answer. You know, uh, I mean, is, she, is she the she's is the, she brain, the woman. Ma- yeah. brain woman? Yeah, I've heard her talk yeah, before. Yeah. Oh, I hope um, she comes on. She's amazing, actually. I hope she, she is comes amazing. On. She is amazing. Yeah. But I, I understand that people like that get a, a billion requests, and it you know it can be hard. I don't do a ton of cold calling, you know, because I I do know a lot of people and. Um, I'm, I'm at the point now where people are coming to me and that's kind of fun, you know, so I, I'm meeting people that I normally wouldn't have think to have on the show, but I just try, it's kind of like I approached the, my writing for anything. Like I try to, to swarm, a, to swarm an, uh, a subject, if you will. So like what, what goes through this menopausal lens that we haven't talked about yet and who would be a good person to address it. So I try to find experts to address anything that I can think of in those realms. I'm finally have an orthopedic or not orthopedic bone person. I finally have some bone health osteoporosis people lined up. I've been, that's taken me forever to find the right people to talk about that. Um, you know, so I'm trying to, to cover all the big things, all the big concerns. And then I try to intersperse that with athletes. And then I had some requests uh, from some listeners to maybe not always talk about the pointy end and the elite athletes, but go towards the back of the pack and talk to some people, (laughs) you know, which is, yeah, which is, which is great too. And, you know, so I have uh, Adina Anil coming up uh, on the show and she, she is a self-acclaimed back of the pack uh, racer and she had a lot of great things to say. So yeah, it's just, um, I have, I have a good vision of like the, the sort of mix of experts and athletes and that I want. And then I keep an eye out for research and an eye out for like what's in the, in the water, you know, in, in concerning menopause and what might, and look at like what people are talking about in the forums and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just love, I just love like every hits here. I can't remember Wednesdays or something. I just, every week I'm just straight onto it because <laughs> it's just such, I don't know. I've learned something from every single episode and it's. So have I. And That's my yeah, goal. It's just amazing. And I just like I know that it's just changed other people's lives as well, but it's just such a broad range of topics and it's credible as well because that's the problem, isn't it, these days, is that there's so much information out there but a lot of it's kind of rubbish and it's trying I'm to... I'm very careful like, about that. You, you, are, you are, like, getting through that and getting giving us the really um, credible information I think is so important and so... I needed. have turned down a lot of crap. Yeah. 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 Like, it's just... It's frightening what's out there because... Like you said, it, it, menopause is having a moment, and then people kind of take that and, you know, try they to make want, money out they of it. They want money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they know. That's. The, I mean, there's no. There's no other. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely. Um, there are people who will prey on it, any insecurity and and. Uh, 
you know, and, and, and sell a bunch of snake oil. And yet you just have to, you know, I'm at the point now where I can see that a mile away and, and I feel very uh, fortunate that I'm in the position that I can just say, "Mm, mm, not so much. No, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, I think we've covered so much. It's so exciting. I've just got so much out of our talk. <laughs> but what's, com- what's coming up with our, I mean, no, we've got the, um, I don't know whether when this um, episode is going to hit, but we've got the um, Menopause Feisty Summit coming up, this, which the is going to be, be amazing. Yeah. Well, this this will come out after the summit. So we will have yeah. had our summit and you'll be right. speaking at our summit too, <laughs> yeah. which, uh, which is great. I mean, you've been, you've been a, you, you're very humble, but you have been a, a great force in this, in this movement as well. And you should Thank you. Take, take, I, take credit for that. You talk about this kind of being, uh, I've heard you talk about this kind of being your legacy. And I don't know, I just, I think it's taken me 52 years and I finally found my place in the world. And who would have That's ever great. thought it was menopause? Like, can you That's believe, so great. Like, can, you believe no. can you believe that this is kind of where you're at? 20 years ago, would have you thought, well, this is kind of where I'm going to be at. I'm going to be in the menopause space. <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. But it's, but, but there's something... I think it's amazing. I mean, I, I have, you know, I say that, but I, I don't want to disregard like the, the work that I did in bicycling, bringing women into that sport was very, very important to me too, and continues to be very important to me. But I think what is so, so special to me about this is that, is that all of you amazing women in the it, listening and in the audience, we're, we're out there just waiting for make these to make this connection and to be so much stronger together and it's so empowering for all of us that it the that feeling that energy is just like it's seismic you know i know it's just such a big sea change in the way that we otherwise might have thought about ourselves and proceeded that it's it feels so important to me because that that pays forward it pays backward I mean everybody's gonna I'm a firm believer and it's a wonderful life kind of thing like the power of one person to affect so many other people and everybody I see around me is doing that and that is amazing I I think it's amazing and just I love this group because I'm in a lot of Facebook groups um, that I joined just for interest sake like menopausal ones and they're mostly neg is mostly negative. Too to much honest. negativity. And, and Way this too much is negativity. just like this is life changing. Like I see people come in and go, like new people come in and they're going, Oh wow, like what's going on here? Like it's like <laughs> it's like this is like, like people have finally gone, oh my god, this is where I want to be. And and yeah. I, for myself as well, I've had so many people help me while I was training for the Ironman, giving me advice and things like that. And I would have never I would have not even known where to ask. Like my, I've got a male, had a male coach. I would have never, you know, and I'm not in a, a, tri- a triathlon club or anything. So I would have had nowhere to ask those like, like intimate kind of questions about the group what to is do about amazing. This. It is, yeah. it is amazing. And that, that is by design too. You know, when we started this, you know, and ha- we're having talks at, at, at Feisty, you know, that was the thing that I kept drumming, drumming, drumming. Like when we were like putting up our Instagram and putting up stuff, I'm like, no negativity. I don't want that. I don't want that. Like, I, 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 you know it when you see it, but like just the sort of like the granny humor or the, I didn't want any of that. Like, no, 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 no. Like this has to be a place of, cause the, like the, the audience is so amazing and they deserve better. They, and they deserve to be lifted up. Right. And, um, and we, we, we find, we, we hit it, you know, but it was, it was, it was very intentional. 
to make yeah. the space it's in, positive. It's empowering and powerful rather than being, and then, you know, of course, and as you discuss in the, the podcast and there's issues in the um, Facebook groups as well, but there are challenges, but oh yeah, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, but it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? We can like, it's, it, we can have, make this an empowering part of our life and it's just, oh, it's just so great. I just, I can't believe that this has come around while I'm hit this kind of part of my life. I'm so lucky. I feel sorry for people that are like 10 years behind us kind of thing. <laughs> or 10, sorry, 10 years ahead of us. I was going to say, they, hopefully. Yeah, sorry, 10, 10 years ahead of us in their menopause journey, um, like, yeah, became before us. And I just think, oh, I feel so, you know, I wish that they had this, you know, for them when they right. were going through it. Yeah. Um, so what's your, I'd love to know, like your number one tip for menopausal women? <laughs> My if one, you've got my one. Nev- I know there's, my, oh, there's a million. I, no, I, I can't. I can give one. Live forward. Um, that's sort of my mantra. You know, it, we, it, it, it's way too easy and and to always be looking in the rearview mirror and to be looking back and to be thinking that everything that you've ever going to do is done. You know, and and that's that's with age too, right? But I think that that this transition, people do that a lot. And there's a lot forward, you know, you just need yeah. to, to sort of open your eyes and settle your mind and maybe join our community, you know, and yeah. see like all the possibilities. And I love seeing like there's, you know, there was a bunch of posts of these women down, like going down these crazy downhills with full faces. Do you see like that? It's like 65. Yeah, I saw that lady. Like, I know she's amazing. So, yeah, <laughs> it's so rad. And yeah, just like there's still there's still a lot ahead of you, you know? Like yeah. live forward. We're just getting started, as as um, yeah. whoever says. And uh, is there anything that you would tell your pre-menopause self it, when you're waking up with crazy anxiety? Maybe it's very menopause. Like I think that's the good thing about this about this awareness is that like the light bulbs might go on earlier for some people. You know, I do wish that I had had those light bulbs go on earlier just so I didn't think I was losing my mind because sometimes I've literally felt like, is this how I'm going to be forever? Like what has happened? You know, and that's, that's not never a good feeling. Yeah. That's the best part, isn't it? Because the more we talk about it, the more people know about it. And then it's not such a big deal. It's not like, totally. oh my God, am I going to be like this for the rest of my life? And people right. go, no, you're not. You're like, it might be. And they might, there's something you and can do And there's things you it. can do, right. You can <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. But when you're going through it and you think, oh my God, am I the, because no one used to, people didn't talk about it. And so then you think, oh my God, it, what's happening to me? This is crazy. Am, am I the only one? And is it going to last forever? But now with this group, we go, it's happening and it's kind of not unusual and there's something you can do about it and it's not going to last forever. hundred <laughs> percent. And but finally, what would, the, what would you say is the best thing about menopause for you? It really has been that opportunity. My friend Casey Duke said it best, you know, and she, she's, she's so awesome. And she'll be a keynote speaker at the, at the summit, but just like, she's like, this is the time that you're, becoming the woman you're supposed to be you know and I was like okay yeah let me think about that and there is definitely like there's something about like reaching this point being like you know what if not now when like you just start just doing things right because why not you know and I think that that has been the best part for me is it's that I have um just decided to worry 
worry about a lot of stupid things much less. Like it takes much. I, I don't I don't I let a lot of things slide that probably would have bothered me and, and ruminated on and all that kind of stuff that I just I just let go. I let go of a lot more now. And that is that has been wonderful. Like that is that has been a, a really welcome part of this journey. It's just there's um that book that I talked about in one of the newsletters, the uh, menopause, a, co- a comic treatment is a graphic novel of menopause through all these different co- uh, the, the author wrote one where she described hot flashes as give a shits burning off. And I thought <laughs> that is brilliant. And she's like, and, and she has this illustration of like, she has a hot flash and she's like, that thing that I said in 1992 and it just goes poof. And then she's like, she's a hot flash and like, you know, like how others think of me poof. And it's just like, that's such a great, great way to look at it. It's just like, nah, I'm not going to worry about that stuff anymore. And I think that is definitely the best part about this little time of reflection and transition. Yeah, I agree. And I love, I should have mentioned this earlier, but I love the article you wrote about my menopause face. It was just so amazing. And I'm sure you've had heaps of great feedback about that. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of like we should be happy to be aging. And yeah, anyway, it's, I loved it. Love that. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that, that was, I don't, I don't usually write angry. <laughs> But I definitely wrote angry with that one. It was just, I had some things to say because that was so predatory. It, that made me very angry. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Empowering. Everything that you do is empowering and, and helping us. And I'm just so happy that you are here. And thank you so much. Well, thank I'm you. Sure everyone's going to love hearing more about you. Thank you for, for, um, volunteering to do this well not volunteering for for presenting it (laughs) and for for being so thorough and kind and uh and for being for being such a large contributor yourself to this community please always remember that you are you are a force for good and we appreciate (laughs) you thank you thank you so much you've been listening to hit play not pause a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.